Um, we'll be looking at in a little while, and you've got on your desk, this uh, handout called The Difference Easter Makes. And we're going to just dip into four of the uh, events that happened around Easter time to see what a life-changing experience that was for the people who were involved. And I wonder if you look back, no matter how young or old we are, what's your favorite life-changing experience? You don't have to say. Think of your favorite life-changing experience. Can I tell you mine? I was 21 years old, I think, and uh, I went to stay in uh, London with my mum uh, just before Christmas, and she worked at the East End Mission in Commercial Road, running a kindergarten, which is more or less half a mile down the road from where Call the Midwife is, and more or less at the same time as Call the Midwife is set, so it's around there. And I thought it was a Sunday before Christmas, I'll go to Westminster Central Hall, the big Methodist Central Hall, uh, and go to the carol service there. So I went there, went up to the steps, and a gorgeous young lady came towards me, and spotted my Bible College badge from Cliff College, and said, oh, that's a Cliff badge, isn't it? So I said, will you marry me? Well, <laughs> well, that was about three months later, really. Um, but I, I knew as I went back on the bus from Westminster to the East End uh, that evening, after we'd been out carol singing with some of the choir and her around there, I thought, I'm going to marry that girl, and I did. And uh, she's a Chard girl. She was brought up in Chard, which is why we're down here at the moment. And it's 51 years this Easter that I first went to Chard to meet her mother. And, oh, what they told me about her mum. But she was gorgeous. She was sweet. And uh, her mum and dad lived in Fernham Road in Chard for over half a century until they died about eight or nine years ago. And it was a life-changing experience, and it's only just actually had a, another chapter added because we've lived in Crewkern for the past 20-odd years, but two weeks ago, uh, we moved back to Chard. And we're meeting again. We've been there fairly regularly, of course. We're meeting again, you know, lots of people that we know well and that we don't know well. And that's my kind of favourite life-changing experience. It's a bit soppy, isn't it, really? But um, just think of Easter as a life-changing experience for lots of people, and we're going to dip into uh, the ways in which that has happened, and how Jesus can bring a life-changing experience to you and me, in that or in different ways. So that's where we're going to go, hopefully, this morning. Uh, before we go any further, we're going to have a prayer together, and so let's do that now, and the uh, Lord's Prayer after. It's a prayer, really, of praise and thanksgiving at the moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can pray to you because you're not dead, you're not a prophet of history. Uh, well, you are, and we're both, but you're alive, you're risen, you're with us today. And thank you so much. Lord Jesus, you were there before space and time existed, instrumental in the creation, the words that spoke all those things and brought the primeval universe into being and helped it come along to where it is today. What an amazing person you are. But you were also a human being for just that short time, 30-odd years, and therefore you knew what it felt like to be human. You knew the ups and the downs and the joys and the pains that we do. And when you went all the way to Calvary, we realized that there's nowhere we can go where you haven't already been, and that's a wonderful thing. 
But today, Lord, we realize that Calvary was worth it and it achieved what it was meant to achieve because you were raised again. You were brought to life and you live today and through the Holy Spirit you can be not just alongside us but within our hearts and within our minds. All we have to do is to open the door to you and you're there. And thank you so much for that, Lord. Thank you for the difference that makes to us and to people around us and to millions and millions of people around the world and through history and into the future who have simply said yes to you. And help us today on this Easter day to say yes once more and open our lives and our hearts once more to you and help it to make a difference in our lives. And a special prayer, Lord, today for the many Christians around the world and particularly those in Egypt at the moment who are under persecution, that you will bless them and help them and keep them strong when all seems to be against them and give them the assurance that they have our solidarity with them as well as your power and your strength. So Lord, thank you for that and bless us at this Easter time and on into the future for your sake and for ours and for the world's. Amen. We share the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses and lead us stress against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for mine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever Amen Well if you take a look at the handout uh, you'll see that the first of those encounters is the one we've already had the Bible reading about Um, It's how for Mary Magdalene, her tears were changed to joy. You're very welcome, if you'd like to, to take this uh, handout home because you'll find on the back are the Bible readings that are associated with these. And I find what it often helps to do uh, at times like Easter uh, is to take a a look right at all the different events or some of the key events that happened uh, during that key time and just to let them sink in, not necessarily to dig in depth, but just to get a picture of them. But one of the first things to happen was, was Mary Magdalene, a close friend of the disciples uh, and of Jesus. And uh, she and all the disciples just didn't know what to make of the fact that Jesus, who they'd spent three years with, the saviour of the world, the Messiah, the hopeful, who was going to make everything right, and all of a sudden he was dead. What do you make of that? And they just didn't understand what was going on. And on this Sunday morning, uh, very early, Mary went with some of the other disciples uh, to pay their respects to Jesus at the tomb, and he wasn't there anymore. His body was gone. And Mary cried her eyes out because she assumed, like some of the others, that his body had been taken away or stolen or something had been done with it. Mary stood crying outside the tomb. But then she turned round, full of confusion, you could imagine, and she saw somebody who she took to be the gardener. Notice how when Jesus made his resurrection appearances, hardly anybody recognized him. He must have looked very different because in his resurrection self, he was more than space and time and material. He was different in a way that we would be different uh, when we have that eternal life that Jesus had then, but that's just in brackets. And uh, Mary said to the gardener, where have they taken him? 
And a few moments later, she knew, and she went back, and she said to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. But what was it that turned her from tears to joy, from Mary stood crying to, I have seen the Lord? It was one little word, as you see from the handout. It was when Jesus said to her, and just imagine the intonation of this. I can't do it very well, but you can probably do it better than I can. Just said to her in in the voice of one of the best friends, Mary. And just that tone of voice made all the difference. And it suddenly came. Jesus didn't have to explain it. He just said, Mary. Have somebody just spoken your name in that kind of very caring way and you thought, oh, that's cute. (coughs) Or otherwise, when when Anne, my wife, (coughs) how she says things, is this a woman thing or a girl thing? How she says things makes all the difference. If she says, Charles? (laughs) Yeah, I've done something wrong. And if she says, oh, Charles? Well, she doesn't do that. (laughs) Anyway, you you get the hang of it from from tears to joy. And sometimes you may find that it's as if Jesus, usually in the quietness, or usually at a time when you're really worried about something, like Mary was, just seems to speak your name. Sometimes people say they can even hear it. But sometimes it's just in your heart and in your mind. And it's, think of what your name is. Jesus says, And that makes a connection which can turn you from tears to joy. So there we have the uh, second example on the handout, which is from despondency, two hearts on fire. And what a difference that made to, to those two disciples. Very possibly it was husband and wife. We don't know. It doesn't say. But it was very possibly because they, uh, they shared the same house and uh, they asked Jesus in, in the end to, uh, to share a meal with them. But they couldn't make out what was going on. This was the evening of Easter Sunday. And they'd heard from other people about the sort of things that had happened. And some of them claimed to have seen Jesus alive or the empty tomb. And what on earth is going on? But they weren't sure... And their feeling was despondency. They were sad. They were downcast. And when this stranger, who again they didn't recognize, joined them and started chatting with them and asking, you know, what what was the matter, uh, they were saying, well, we had hoped that this was going to be the one who would rescue Israel. We had hoped. What a sad three words, isn't it? All the hope that they built up but it had just seemed to be that their hopes had been dashed. Have you ever had any moments like that? You were were building and hoping for so much, and then it all seemed to fall to pieces uh, around you. But it wasn't long before something happened. It was a while, because Jesus then started to explain what the Old Testament has said about who he was and what he had to do and why things had worked out like this, but it didn't really click with them, and they didn't notice But just as they got to their village of Emmaus, it was getting dark, and Jesus uh, went as though he was going to travel on. Uh, They did the hospitality thing and said, oh, no, no, you mustn't do that. Come and have a meal with us. So he came, uh, and they did. And it was while Jesus was taking the place of the host rather than the guest. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? And actually broke the bread and said the grace that they realized 
And what a difference that makes. And it was only after that that they realized that when Jesus was talking to us, they were feeling something. And uh, it said, wasn't it like a fire burning within us while he talked to us on the way? So from despondency, we had hoped to hearts on fire. Wasn't it like a fire burning within us? What a difference it makes. But what made the difference? Well, yes, you could say the difference was made when Jesus turned the tables and became the host and broke the bread and said the grace. But it would never have got that far unless they had actually invited Jesus into their home. So I put there in the red there, the thing that made the difference was when Jesus said, stay, uh, when they said to Jesus, stay with us. It was them who invited Jesus into their homes even though they weren't really quite sure what it was all about and what was going on, indeed who he was, they made the invitation. Now notice with, with Mary, it was Jesus who took the initiative and said, Mary, because that was the word that would mean most to Mary and explain it all. In this event, Jesus waited, and he would have gone straight on, until they said, come and be with us. And when they said that, he came and it clicked, and it made all the difference. So if we have times of despondency and where hopes are dashed and so on, when we take the chance to say, Jesus, come and be with us in this situation, in our homes, in our hearts, in our lives, despondency can turn to hearts on fire. What a difference that made. And we're only on the evening of Easter Sunday so far. As you see on the uh, handout... We're on to Thomas. I I wish they hadn't called him Doubting Thomas, don't you? Because he started off, I would have thought it was petulant rather than doubting. Uh, And he ended up as certain as you can possibly be, from doubt to assurance. Because it starts off on that Easter Sunday, and Jesus was appearing hither and yon, and he didn't seem to bother ticking down the list and making sure he ticked everybody off, did he? And there was one that didn't happen to be there when Jesus appeared to Uh, the rest of the disciples, and that was Thomas. And when they told him about this, his answer was, I will not believe. Not, well, I'm not really sure. Are you sure about this? He he seemed to think that he was left out a bit. Well, wouldn't you have done if you were Thomas and everybody else was saying, oh, it's great, isn't it? And he said, oh, you reckon? Why not me too? And this went on for about a week until more or less the next weekend. Um, it's almost as if Jesus left him to be petulant and stew in it for a few days uh, because he just put his foot down. He, he just wasn't going to be sure about all this. But then everything changed the next weekend. And Jesus, again without being announced, appeared in the middle of them and Thomas was with them Uh, when he came, and Jesus zoomed up to Thomas, and Thomas must have thought, oh no, what's he going to say now? But Jesus simply said, look, I'm here, I'm real, you can touch me, look, I've still got these things, I haven't even got plasters on, have a touch, have a feel. And Thomas didn't need to do any of that. He just made what is pretty well the biggest declaration of faith you'll find in the whole of the Bible, and he said to Jesus, my Lord and my God, He didn't just call him a prophet or a teacher or a preacher or a rabbi. 
He didn't even call him the Messiah, the saviour that Israel had been looking for. He said, my Lord, which is the word that they used for Jehovah in the Old Testament, and my God. You can't get any bigger than that, can you? My Lord and my God, from doubt to assurance. And what made the difference in Thomas's case? Was it Jesus logically explaining why and how this had happened? No, Jesus didn't do any explaining at all. Was it because Thomas could then prod Jesus and find out he was actually solid? No. The whole difference was that against Thomas's locked doors, if I can call it that, Jesus still came. The doors were locked, it says in the passage, but Jesus came. And sometimes if we are feeling that God has done us... Um, bit of a bad service. How can a God of love let us suffer like this? How can a God of love let let my aunt or my sister or brother suffer with cancer or whatever it might be? How can a God of love allow part of my family to break up in the way that it has done? How can a God of love make me redundant at work when I was just getting to enjoy it? All sorts of things like this. And that kind of locks the doors almost against Jesus. But Jesus doesn't just let the doors stay locked always. He has that way of creeping underneath and inside somehow. And just standing in front of us and saying, yeah, I'm actually here, what do you make of it? And when we allow him uh, to get past our locked doors, it's simply the experience of his presence, rather than any argumentation, that makes the difference from doubt or petulance, to assurance. Now to the fourth and final example of the difference Easter makes and the transformation it makes to to dear old Peter, who was transformed from denial to leadership. Peter was the sort of person who engaged his mouth before he engaged his brain. Do you know anybody like that? You're not like that, are you? No, no, well... How about that for a confession? Well, Peter was, Peter was impetuous. And sometimes he, he said things he didn't mean. And sometimes he just got so worked up about things that it just came out. And he regretted it afterwards. And for the first bit of this, the denial bit, of course, we go back to late on the Thursday night after they'd had the Last Supper and Jesus had been arrested uh, and he was... Uh, watching Jesus, one of the few disciples who actually went as far as to see what was happening to Jesus, uh, and people were recognizing him a bit and recognizing his accent because he'd been around with Jesus all of that festival week uh, in Jerusalem, and they said, you were with Jesus, weren't you, one of his disciples? No. Yeah, sure you were. Don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you were, because you speak northern, don't you? You're like, a, you're like an Israeli Geordie. <laughs> And he said, we hear the lads, I don't say that. (laughs) And he said, no, I've never met him, don't know what you're talking about. And then Jesus just turned around and looked at him. Oh, gosh. Jesus said I would, and I have. How do you think Peter must have felt then? That denial, but he must have been absolutely devastated. And perhaps no amount of comforting might comfort him. There was a time on Easter Sunday and a bit afterwards when Jesus went up to have a particular quiet word with Peter. 
We don't know what he said because it's not recorded. And Peter probably never actually quite said what he said. But we pick up the story uh, probably a couple of weeks or more later uh, when Peter and some of the other disciples had gone back home uh, to the north, to the Sea of Galilee, where people like them spoke Geordie as well. And they went out uh, fishing, didn't catch anything, Somebody was stood on the seashore. They didn't recognize him again. It does happen, doesn't it? And, uh, have you caught anything? This person said. And you imagine being like, what do you think? Look, empty nets. Of course we haven't caught anything. But they went along and there was this smell of cooking breakfast. What a lovely thing. And after they'd had that, and uh, Peter was probably still feeling a little bit sheepish. That's a pun, incidentally, on what's coming up now. Uh, Jesus took him and said to him particularly, in three different ways, using three different phrases, but meaning the same thing, take care of my sheep. It wouldn't have been lost on Peter that Peter had denied Jesus three times, and Jesus three times said to him, take care of my sheep. And in that way, he made Peter not just a loser, who denied Jesus, but somebody who he would make a leader from denial to leadership. What a difference. How wonderful that must have been for Peter to have that completely washed out and washed away. And what words was it that made the difference? I think it was the words, come and have breakfast. Now, on the Emmaus Road, it was the Two disciples who asked Jesus to come and have a meal with them. But now Jesus takes the initiative again because I don't think Simon Peter was really feeling up to taking initiative with Jesus now. He was still, you know, a bit sheepish about things. And Jesus had said, come and have breakfast. So here we've got those, those four different ways in which people were changed so much. And maybe it rang bells in some of them with some of us. But from tears to joy with Mary, and sometimes Jesus, when we have tears, can just speak our name in that way that lets us have joy instead of tears. From despondency to hearts on fire, when we ask Jesus into our lives and into our lack of hope. From doubt to assurance, when Jesus actually gets over the barriers that we put in place and still comes to stand in front of us and say, I'm here, what are you going to do about it? And then from denial to leadership, when we may have let Jesus down very badly, but he still says, no, I've got a special place for you, a ministry that nobody else can do, and you're going to do it. So the question is, quite simply, as I put at the bottom, for all four of these people, Jesus came to meet them unexpectedly. It's the unexpected that is the hallmark of Jesus and of his Holy Spirit. So expect the unexpected. How might Jesus come to meet you? And the final question, which is a bit of a tricksy one, are you willing to risk it? Because it often, probably most of the time, takes us a bit out of our comfort zone. What a difference Jesus makes. 